nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic. I will be your host for today's nonprofit MBA podcast. I am, uh, for those of you who don't know me, I am co-founder of Financing Solutions, and we are the leading provider of lines of credit for small nonprofits in the United States. We've been around for 12 years. We're very well known in this space. And if you're interested in getting a line of credit for your nonprofit, it's a very popular product. Please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And today uh, we have a sponsor, a raise. Uh, it's spelled A-R-A-I-Z-E. Uh, a raise is a cloud-based accounting uh, system that's built specifically for small to medium-sized nonprofits. I'm a big believer in having specific software for your industry. And uh, if you're using QuickBooks, uh, you know, it's, it's a nightmare for nonprofits. Uh, take a look at a raise, um, and I, I think you'd be pretty impressed. I, I'm on the board of one a small nonprofit, um, a couple, and um, and we just switched to a raise. So it's very reasonably priced, and it's perfect. And they're great at the organization. They know nonprofits, so they're really good at answering questions. If you're interested, go to arraise.com. It's A-R-A-I-Z-E.com. Or you can give uh, Joe a call at 866-840-7449 and tell him Steve sent you. Uh, today, I'm very excited to be speaking with Amanda Lee uh, Kaiser, or Kaiser, excuse me, from Kaiser Insights. Um, uh, Amanda Lee Kaiser is a member engagement strategist, uh, professional speaker, and the author of Elevating engagement on common strategies for creating thriving member communities. Through her research labs and experiments, Amanda is at the forefront of exploring how member and attendees engage in rapidly changing within professional community. Amanda, welcome to today's nonprofit MBA podcast. Thanks so much, Steve. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. So let's let's dive right into today's topic, which is what are the keys to member engagement for nonprofits? And at first, let's talk about what does member engagement really mean? Yeah. So 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 beyond just transactions. So there's there's a you know if you kind of think of the whole ecosystem of organizations out there, companies for profits, everybody from say Amazon to your neighborhood dry cleaner. A, a lot of the the trans, a lot of the um, kind of connection you have with those companies is very transactional. You know, they you they do some kind of service for you, or they you know sell you a product and you give them money. So very very transactional. And engagement is one step beyond that, or maybe even many steps beyond that. So that that gets into this very. A lovely place uh, for some for-profits and for a lot of nonprofits, where you're looking for a deeper connection, maybe even a relationship. And so that's when you start talking about member engagement and donor engagement and sponsor engagement and attendee engagement. So that's that's really my focus is is all on you know not just the the transaction, not just on getting people to 
you know, register or buy or join or donate, but, but the, the next step that, that relationship part of it, which is engagement. I don't want to get too technical here, but I'm going to, um, what, so before, before I started my companies, I worked for Xerox for eight and a half years. This was, uh, 35 years ago. And, uh, Xerox was, you know, an amazing organization, really prestigious, really great, well thought out through organization company. And, um, they had identified phases that people go through in order before they make a decision. And that same, um, methodology is called, um, IDC, uh, identify development and commitment. And then inside of those three phases were the steps, depending on what product or service you were selling, that would lead clients through the cycle. Um, can you apply that same methodology to to uh, to donor or you know or member engagement? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm so thrilled you asked that question because. I have done over 477 in-depth member interviews, and I've, I've talked to all sorts of people, all kinds of professionals uh, who are members of um, all kinds of different organizations. And, um, and so I, I've, I've kind of I've combined all of that research and really looked at what, what engagement is like from a member's point of view. And there's uh, six stages, and I, I identify that in my new book, Elevating Engagement. So there's just real quickly, there's the observe stage, the assess stage, participate, contribute, collaborate, and lead. And it takes you from the very moment they press join or they, you know, they, they kind of make that first transactional commitment, they press join or they, uh, or they uh, register for an event. And, uh, and that's the observe stage They're kind of looking at everything that you're doing and then they assess and then, you know, slowly over time, uh, at every one of those stages, there's this go or no go decision about whether I want to engage or not. And if they decide to engage, that opens them up for the next step and the next step. And it takes you all the way up to lead, which is where I, th I think we would call mostly that volunteerism. Uh, I call it lead in my book because I like to think of volunteerism much bigger than just, say, volunteering for a committee or volunteering for the board. I think we've got to open that up because people, not everybody's got time to invest hundreds of hours in, in board work. But uh, but yes, uh, very much like you were talking about those stages of, of purchasing at Xerox, um, there are six stages for member engagement from their point of view. Yeah, I think, um, and by the way, that the IDC, Identify, Develop, and Commitment, and, and there's actually, I think, Recycle too, but, um, but the, that, I use that same model of, of, of customer, quote unquote, acquisition through all the different businesses I've had because I've had multiple businesses. And so what I'm trying to say too is that, I think one of the, if you really want to dive into the subject matter, right? I think being able to identify the stages that your nonprofit goes through mm -hmm. to, to move people through the cycles and knowing what goes in, inside of each one of identify, develop, and, and commitment uh, is, is a really good way 
of understanding how your organization works. I mean, it's it's advanced though, isn't it? Yeah, but I think so. I think you're you're really onto something, and I and I love this, but but I think anybody can use it, right? I mean, um, uh, you know, you think about uh, there are nonprofits out there that are manned by volunteers, or one staff person, or five staff people, all the way up to you know hundreds of staff people, and and I don't know that this is sort of, is the purview of just the largest, most sophisticated, most well moneyed organizations. I I think anybody can do it. It's uh, you know even one person, even a volunteer, and. And if I were to say, hey, let's let's focus at a particular place, one of the places that I would focus at is new members. So very, you know, way back at the beginning in the first couple of stages, you've got, you know, your new members, they just click join. And, um, and if you focus on them, then you have a chance of lifelong engagement. So I, I think there's definitely ways that we can break down uh, the work and 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 uh, and focus on the things that matter most. And and one of the things that I also did with my research is I looked at um, feelings of engagement by where you were in the stages. So for all of the members, you know, some of them are brand new members, some of them are twenty year members. Where you know how engaged are you? And what I found was there's very much a bell curve. So uh, people who are you know brand new, they're in that first year, maybe second year. Uh, they tend to be very unengaged. Then you get to the third year through like maybe the, you know, 10th or 12th year, very, very engaged. And then as they become long, long time members, that engagement tails off. So very, you know, very much like a bell curve. So if you if you think about the bell curve applying to your organization, you can say, oh, yeah, what we see is, you know, hard to get people engaged in the beginning, and then their interest starts to tail off at the end. And, and maybe that's where we focus. So so I don't know that um, I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, we got to dive in head first and focus on all six stages tomorrow, but pick the places where members are most at risk and go there. Yeah, I was thinking um, more just the exercise of going through the phases is can help an organization, um, you know, understand. And I think the reason being is, um, you know, you the question it answers is two. Uh, where do we get our most members from the most volunteers? What source? Okay. And number two is once we get them interested, how do we keep them engaged? Really? It just kind of answers those two simple questions. So let me, let me ask you this, Amanda. I want you to coach me. I'm a smaller nonprofit. I'm the executive director. I'm listening to this podcast and I'm like, uh, okay, I, I kind of believe what Amanda and, and Stephen are talking about, but I, I'm not sure, like, how do I get started? Yeah, so absolutely. coach me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's talk about new, new members in particular, because I think that's a great place to start. If you don't have engaged new members, you're not going to have engaged lifelong members. So let's start at new members. One of the ways that's kind of ubiquitous across all organizations is their, their one channel, and, and there's as many as more than 15 channels to reach new members, but, but the one channel, oh, I'm going to say 99.9% .9 of organizations use is email. 
And what new members tell me is, um, is there's, there's definitely a barrier with email. So, so what happens is they press join and then they're delighted to read all of your emails up until about three emails. So you've got about three emails to convince this person that they want to engage in your organization. And what happens with a lot of uh, organizations is, you know, they press join and they sign up and do all of that. And then there's a system behind, like maybe an association management system or, or something like that, that starts spitting out emails. Here's your login credentials. Here's your receipt. Here's an invoice. Um, and, and those are not very engaging. And then, then there's, you know, then maybe the system spits out some kind of welcome email. And what I like to tell people to do is, figure out what the system is spitting out and look at what, what you've written. It might be, you know, it might be a standard email that you wrote, uh, you know, a year or two ago. Does that apply anymore? And, and what can you do to help people feel like they made the right decision in joining? Can you warm up the tone? Can you very quickly get them to something that's of value? Can you uh, write it in such a way that it doesn't take them a lot of time to have you know, this great experience with your first email. So that's that's really the number one place is, um, amazingly enough, that uh, what association uh, executives tell me is they're, um, they're dismayed by the number of people who join and then never do another thing. And then members tell me the reason why they never do another thing is because they just can't get past the first couple of emails. Yeah, I, I listen, uh, uh, my... My business sense is also it's it's really important to measure success, right? So, you know, we're all, so many people are focusing on the, the you know this top end of this funnel, which is like let's get some more people uh, interested in joining our organization, and then what comes out on the bottom are more engaged members or you know. Uh, uh, people who are uh, donating money or whatever, but do you really know how many people are coming in and reading that first email, right? How many people are reading the second email? How many people are reading the third email? How many people uh, in all three of those phases are then become volunteers or donors and engage? Mm -hmm. If you don't know your numbers, you can't manage it. And, and, and so the reason I'm saying that is, is that, I, I think most people will find that they'll be, if they know the numbers, you'll focus more on converting the people who are already there than going to find, going out to find new people. And, um, and so I think we would all rather just focus on what we have instead of going out and finding more of what we don't. So, um, now, when we're talking about uh, members, I just I should have asked this earlier. Are we talking about volunteers? Are we talking about donate uh, people who make donations? Yeah. So there's there are um, there are some association or some nonprofits like associations, and they have members. They create a member community of like-minded professionals or people in a particular industry that are members. And and there's other. Um, there's other associate or other nonprofits as well that will have a member base, and so um, I, you know, even even some charitable nonprofits will have will have members and and donors and volunteers. So 
so I, I think it's I think it depends on the kind of organization, but there are. Uh, and I think also members, um, there are members of communities. So some nonprofits um, might not charge for membership. However, they have an on, a very thriving, active online community. And those folks are all members as well. And, and the, in, the kind of engagement in the stages that I'm talking about applied to online member communities. So the people that you've spoken to, uh, do you do coaching as well? I, I do a lot of keynote speaking. So I do a lot of speaking, a lot of facilitating, a little less coaching right now, but I might get back into that. I was just wondering if the people who have really used your research well, like, and have actually implemented it and have talked to you about it, maybe. Mm -hmm. What? Tell me about the, that, what is that characteristics of that that executive director like? Oh, that's interesting. A lot of my clients tend to be uh, very, very innovative. And so what, what tends to happen, um, it's really funny. I got into business 10 years ago and, and I was, uh, and I started my business as a qualitative researcher. So I did lots and lots and lots of member interviews. And um, in my I, what I thought I was going to do is I thought I was going to help struggling struggling organizations turn into thriving organizations. What I ended up doing, the kind of people who hired me were, were a lot of organizations that were at the top of their game and they just wanted to get better. They were, they were looking out into the future and they were saying, whatever it is that we're doing now is really great, but it might not carry us three, four or five years. You know, what, what is in the future? So so, so a lot, I get a lot of requests from highly innovative organizations and they're, they're really, really interesting to work with because they're open to a lot of ideas. So I think what, what happens, I think, and what I see happen a lot is, and this is not just unique to nonprofits, but this is in the for-profit world. I think that we've been banging the drum on value for so long. Uh, you know, we've uh, we've got to improve our value. We've got to keep up with our change, you know, changing needs um, and make sure that we're pro providing value in the future. We've got to figure out how to convey or communicate our value proposition. So everybody's very focused on value. But there's two parts of engagement. One is value and the other half is positive experiences. So value is things like products, services, events, benefits. Uh, positive experiences are things like, you know, warm welcomes and connecting members together and making introductions and thanking people. And, you know, at, a, at an event, when you're at the, the registration table, not just handing people, you know, their badge and, uh, you know, a bag and a, 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 um, uh, an agenda, but also, you know, smiling with them and, and at them and chit-chatting with them, you know, all of those things. So, so there's got to be value plus experience. And that's I, I, what I see with, with these you know, top-notch organizations is everybody's been thinking about value, value, value. And now it's time to start adding the experiential part of it so we can get back to real engagement. So I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about that part. Well, I'll give you a case study of what you're talking about. And I'll use me, me in, in it. Okay. So... Um, I recently got involved with two nonprofits, uh, you know, volunteering. One I'm on the board, the other one I'm on the fundraising committee. 
the so let's the the one I'm on the fundraising committee is a rather larger uh, nonprofit, or eight million in revenue, and I raised twelve thousand dollars for them. Right, I was the largest raiser of money for them. Okay, for uh, you know for this committee for their gala, right, and they by far the largest okay and they um when i was at the event it was a amazing event first gala i've ever been to it was amazing how well it was run right um one of the people who was head of fundraisers who i wasn't working with it was his bo- boss came up to me and said thank you which i thought was nice and i i Kind of expected it. I thought that they should have done that. And I haven't heard peep from them in seven months. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, now, of course, I, the, the, the cause to me is near and dear. But um, I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I want to go through this again next year. You know, the raise or this, it's this year, raising the money this year for it. Um, I am really disappointed that they haven't made me feel really good. It doesn't take much. How about just a phone call and say, Hey, you know, how come you were so, so involved? You know, what, what brought you to, to, to raise that money? Thank you so much. Let me tell you about where that money goes and what it's done. Right. Um, it's been weak. It's been Mm -hmm. really weak. Okay. And, you know, this isn't, isn't like somebody who's donate, who's, you know, donated $10, you know? So I, you know, it goes back to what you're saying. It's a case study of saying, okay, uh, 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 member engagement, donor engagement, the levels and where you are. I mean, maybe I'm a small donor. I don't know. I, yes. I mean, from a donation standpoint, there's probably people on the board who are giving, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, but again, this wasn't my money. I gave money on top of what I just said. So, you know, and I think, I think as if I was the tough part of course with executive directors is time, right? They they you prioritize your time, you know, and you can sit there and say, is it worth me to do what Amanda and Stephen are saying, which is identify the different phases that people are going through and how what our response is to them and you know and where we need to make improvements and are we following it? By the way. Uh, the hard part of this is execution, isn't it? It's not just coming up with the idea. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a million ideas, right? But it, it, the hard part is execution. And I'm so glad that you brought up that example because that perfectly illustrates what I hear from, hun- you know, in hundreds and hundreds of, of interviews that, uh, you know, people want to be recognized, especially when they're, you know, when they're volunteering, when they're doing something outside of their, you know, expected job or something like that, um, they're spending a lot of time, you know, they can spend a lot of time participating or mentoring or coaching or, uh, you know, volunteering, or maybe even, you know, helping to set up an event. It's, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of mental energy. And, um, and so there is a section in my book on thank yous. The time thing is particularly salient today, because I feel like Everybody is saying to me, not only do they have not enough time to do what they need to do, but there's not enough time to do what we want to do. And so I love thinking about all of the things that you could be doing 
to add that experiential, you know, kind of icing on the cake um, while you're already doing what you're doing. So, so for example, um, using your example, while you were at the event, it sounded like one person said, thank you. It would have been nice if maybe six people had said thank you. They're already there. They're already talking with everybody. And so maybe the executive director could have gotten word out to more people, you know, gone into the data, like you were saying, and say, hey, here's all of the people that brought in a lot of money. Let's make sure that, you know, we we um, we talked to, you know, these five or 10 people, you know, please just go up and say thank you. And so that wouldn't take a lot more time. And and honestly, um, you know, zipping off a one minute loom video, writing, you know, writing even a two or three line email is better than nothing. You know, just a super short acknowledgement is better than nothing. There are um, there's some interesting services now where uh, where you can actually hand write um, like a thank you card. Yep. And the service will send it, you know, for yep. you. You don't even have to go buy the card or get out your pen or anything like that. So there's, there's, I think there's a ton of ways to just automate that stuff and and try to just do it in the course of what you're already doing. Here, I'm going to tell some everybody here something radical. Everybody has plenty of time. Everybody has plenty of time. It's a matter of what you're doing with that time right? It's a priority, right? You talk about this like with some of my, some, some of my friends, you know, we get annoyed sometimes that some of our friends don't make an effort and we say, well, they just don't care about us. And it's not really that. It just, they haven't prioritized us as higher than something else on their list. So, I mean, the thing I, the reason why I like the going into the phases and, and designing the, you know, seeing what all the different phases are is because then you'd say, okay, this is where we're going to spend our time once you've identified where you think the biggest issue is. And I, listen, I, you don't need to go through all the phases to know that if you walk away from this podcast and say is, what is our process for thanking people? Are we following it? How do we know that we're following it? What, how do we measure it? What is the levels of thanking somebody? Because I can tell you what, you would not have to work on the front end of the, of the funnel of getting people into the queue. Because if you're thanking all those people that did all these things for you in an appropriate way, in a consistent way, they are going to tell other people. Right? It's reference selling in essence. Right. And you'll feel good about your organization. Isn't it great to call somebody up and thank them for what they've done instead of calling someone up and saying, Hey, can you donate more time or money? That's a lot more fun going back to the people and telling them and learning about their lives and learning. You know, Good Grief has no idea why that's the name of the organization, uh, Good Grief. They have no idea why I was able to get $12,000 raised and how I did it. They just don't know. So um, people want to tell their stories, right? Yeah. Word of mouth is so powerful. And I, I think that is the thing that works for most nonprofits. It, you know, and, unless, again, you're big budgets, very well moneyed. Um, in most, most of what you're doing and most of the, the energy and excitement, the participation is coming through word of mouth. 
So when when you're not engaging people, you know, when they when they've said, hey, I will, you know, I'm I want to be a part of this and I, I want to give my money or I want to give my time or I want to give my ideas and then things don't go well and they don't engage, then then not only might they not tell others how great you are, but they might have act, they might actually be word of mouth detractors. And I, I see this a lot too. I'll see um, in in the professional association arena, uh, you I hear about members who did not have a great experience, uh, maybe as as a younger new professional, and then they're promoted. So they're promoted to the point where you know they're running uh, maybe a small team and then a large team. And, you know, maybe they've got 40 people under them. And when somebody says, hey, I want to be a member of our professional association, that manager, that director is not going to be real thrilled about it. You know, they're, they're, they're not necessarily going to say, sure, you know, let's spend the company's money on dues. And yes, you can have some time off to, to work with that, that association. And so, so it, it, be, it can become very damaging when people don't engage because not only are they not doing the world of word of mouth, they're also they're, they might be detracting as well. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we have a little bit of time left, just a couple of minutes. What would you, where would you want to leave it off with our listeners on this subject? Yeah, I am. I think that if you're feeling like or your metrics are showing you that engagement is not as high as you want it to be in some place, uh, you know, maybe maybe with your new members, maybe with your longtime members, you know, I, I feel like most organizations can pinpoint their weak spot. Um, then then go back to the formula of engagement, which is value plus positive experiences equal engagement. You may find that your value proposition is actually fine. What I hear organization executive directors talk about a lot is um, is we you know it, we we have all of this stuff, but people don't use it. Uh, we you know it seems like we're unable to market or unable to communicate, and it it might not be that. It might just be the experiential part of things. It might be that they can't hear your value proposition because they don't feel like they belong, they don't feel like they're part of the community, or they haven't been warmly welcomed enough. So there's so many experiential ways uh, to get people's attention. There's a lot of um, facilitators right now saying, uh, you know, make sure you do uh, uh, con- you know, like connection before content, connection before content. And I like that statement. So, you know, think about whether it's uh, volunteers or donors or members or attendees, you know, they're, you know, they're kind of signing in for the very first time, figure out, figure out that connection part before you start delivering them content or value. Yeah, I'm going to put my two cents into this too. And I would say this is I think the first thing I would do is read your book which is, you know, elevating engagement, uncommon strategies for creating thriving member communities. I always find that when I read a book, it focuses my attention in that subject. And then after you read the book, and then, you know, let's pull things out of it that you want to do. And then the second thing I would say is the the, the unglamorous part of running a nonprofit is exceptional execution of your strategy. So, you know, try, try not doing everything. Just do one or two things really, really, really good. 
And I think what we're talking about here is um, making sure that you have an incredible, well-executed, well-thought-through thank you. And I'm not, I'm saying, I'm not saying this because um, I got slighted, so to speak. It's got nothing to do with this. Is an example. Like, you know, I'm the big boy. Um, I can handle that. Um, I'm saying because I think from, from a quote-unquote nonprofit business strategy standpoint, if I was a nonprofit and I would say that's the number one most important thing I would be focusing in on is, you know, what is our process? How do we do it? Um, and do we do it well? And how do we consistently do it well? Thanking the people who are helping our organization. Would you agree with that? Yeah, there's also something to public thank yous as well. So there's a time and place for a private thank you, and probably that organization should have reached out to you privately. But it also is nice to, to get recognized from the podium. And it's nice for you, but it's not just nice for you. Everybody else in the audience sees those public moments of rec recognition, and they, and they feel like, oh, oh, so if I, if I were to do what, what Steve does... You know, I would get some public recognition too. And that always feels well. It feels really good. It, it, you know, people like knowing that what they're doing was, you know, helpful and of value that their, you know, their, their contribution is being valued. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I think if, if, when you're talking about the, the thank you part of it, you know, that, that very um, nice mix of private recognition public thank yous go a really long way, not just, again, for that person who's worked so hard, but for your whole community. Yeah, you might even be nice to say, even if you had a, all right, maybe if you had a volunteer who had, was able to give you some uh, time, you could ask them to be the director of thank yous or, uh, you know, think about a better title than that and ask them to um, um, be the person who is, always on top of that. That'd be a fun job, wouldn't it? Yeah. But, you know? Like the, the chief gratitude officer. Yeah, oh, I like that. that. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and, and uh, you know, you have to find the right person who does that. Someone who's going to stay, you know, it's going to be, they're probably going to love that work. Um, and uh, that would be, that'd go a long way of, of, of making a big difference. And then also tell them too, is uh, this is what my recommendation, tell them that, that you want to build a system of of gratitude so that if they're not there if they're no longer with their our organization that our gratitude program still works because that person's going to be gone one day and then you don't want your gratitude system to go out the door yeah so right yeah um good um amanda any other last keywords i i uh, i know i gave you one last keyword before but is there anything else that you'd like to say uh, no, this has been really wonderful, Stephen. Thank you so much for the conversation. Yeah, it was very good. I enjoyed it myself. So uh, I'd like to thank so very much Amanda Lee uh, Kaiser from Kaiser Insights for coming on to today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And if you like today's podcast, please give us a five-star review on your podcasting app. It really helps us get the word out. It makes a big difference in the algorithms. Uh, the Nonprofit MBA podcast is in the top 5% of all podcasts out there. And we you know, want to get to that 1%. Um, I love our guests. Our, I mean, this is all, we've done over 400 episodes. And if you just listen to the guests on all my podcasts, you are going to kick butt as far as doing a great job running your, your organization. 
Um, if you're interested in a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com or give us a call at 862-207-4118. Um, and Amanda, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, absolutely. So you can uh, search for Amanda Lee Kaiser. It, and my middle name is spelled weird. It's spelled L-E-A. So Amanda L-E-A Kaiser, like the role K-A-I-S-E-R dot uh, com is my website. So Amanda Lee Kaiser dot com. And you can also search for Elevating Engagement on Amazon. It just published a few weeks ago. So uh, it's right there on Amazon as well. Great. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. So I always end the podcast this way. I want to thank our listeners for all the hard work that they do trying to make the world a better place. I know that Amanda and I are doing our own thing in our own way, but you guys are out there always making a difference on a day-to-day basis. I thank you for that. However, I just want to remind you that you're no good to your family, no good to employees, you're no good to your cause, you're no good to anybody if you don't take good care of yourself first. So make sure that you're exercising the way you, any way you do it and you're, you're eating right and you're taking good care of yourself because we need people there for the long term because we have our problems in this world and we need those generals like you guys out there trying to make the place better. And I thank you for that. Other than that, I just want to thank you all for being uh, great listeners, and I wish you the best.